Well, uh, in the spirit of the 4th of July, I wanted to bring a message this morning about uh, our country and where we are right now, where we're headed. We've talked uh, last year, talked about where we'd come from, and we talked about how that America was founded by imperfect people, but it was founded with a sense of desire for liberty, a desire for freedom, a desire to... uh, See the country have freedom of religious worship, freedom of speech, and so forth. And although that freedom was restricted, it was uh, not extended to all people. It gradually did come to be extended to all people. And someone told me this last week. They said, uh, in fact, it was uh, a man who was very much concerned about the way the African-American people had been treated, mistreated in America and about Slavery, And I said, I agree wholeheartedly. That was horrible, terrible, indefensible. And, uh, and he was uh, saying, and it was you white people that did it. <laughs> I said, well, I, it wasn't us white people, but it was white people, European people who did it. But I said, I, I want you to understand something, too. When you think about who fought to liberate the slaves, and to end, put an end to slavery, it wasn't the slaves. It was white people. Many of them were pastors. Many of them suffered greatly because of their battle to put an end to that inhumanity. And, uh, and it was through the conscience and the preaching of the word and... Uh, and the sacrifice of many people who were white people that slavery was brought to an end. That should have been ended, certainly should have ended a lot sooner, but but I'm thankful that it did end. And then uh, in recent years, there's been a, a real sense of repentance, national repentance over the mistreatment of the Native Americans, uh, American Indians, we call them, and, uh, and the... Uh, fact that slavery was once a part of this country. But I want you to know that in our country today, we're facing a, another major, major struggle. I don't believe the nation has ever been as divided as it is right now. Maybe the time of the Civil War, but, uh, but un- since that time, there has never been such a division in our country as there is right now. But the division is not between colors. It's not black versus white or brown versus black or brown versus white. And I realize there's still a lot of racial prejudice in the world today. But there are also a lot of people who are fighting for and striving for a sense of unity and a sense of uh, equality of all people. So that's not where the real division is. There are some people who try to make it that way, but that's not, that's not where it is. You know, more and more churches today are fully integrated. More and more. We went to a, a wedding yesterday, uh, 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 a white boy marrying a, a, a black girl. And we just were so thrilled to, to see that so many of the barriers, so many of the, so many of the taboos, have broken down, especially in the last 20 or 30 years. And I'm, th- I'm thankful to see that, people realizing that there's no more difference 
should be no more difference in skin color than there is in eye color or hair color or anything else. And so, so I'm glad to see some of that breaking down, and, and, and much of it has broken down. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that? You agree with that? Yeah. Lewis, you agree with that? Amen. All right. I think, I think it's true. And I, would, I long to see the day when we have uh, uh, 30 or 40 more African-Americans here in our congregation and 30 or 40 more uh, Hispanic here in our congregation. I long for the day when our local church looks more like heaven is going to look. And I, that's a constant prayer of mine day after day. God, help us reach more people of diverse backgrounds out in our community so that we can make our church look more like the courts of heaven are going to look. People from every tribe and tongue and nation and background, ethnic group. But that's not where the division is in America today. The division is not even among the rich and the poor. And there are some people who try to Put it that way. Well, well, the, the, the problem is well, you got a bunch of rich people, you got a poor pe- bunch of poor people. Well, the truth is we've got a whole lot more poor people than we've got rich people, depending on how you define rich. And then the real truth is that almost everybody in America is rich compared to the rest of the world. I mean, I was uh, talking with Mike uh, in Bulgaria, and he said, you know, uh, $80 a month is the average income in, uh, in Bulgaria. And that's not a third world country. And then you go to uh, many other countries and $80 a month would be a, a high salary. $30 a month would be more the average. So the truth is that in America, we do have opportunity. We do have, uh, we're rich. We're, we're, we're rich people. If you make more than $30,000 a year, you're in the top 4% of the world of uh, an income. That's amazing, isn't it? What do we call people who are in the top 4%? We call them rich. <laughs> and then you read your Bible and you see all those warnings to the rich, and you think, well, I never thought that was talking to me, but it really is talking to all of us. So the, the divide today is not between the rich and the poor. It's not between the colors, the races. There's division there, but that's not the, ma- the major divide in America today. It's not between the Democrats and the Republicans. It's not, uh, but, it, but it is between those who reject the biblical morality, the biblical standards, and the biblical truth and those who push for the direction of biblical standards and biblical truth. That's the real divide in America today. So don't let anybody uh, uh, mislead you in thinking it's something else. <clears throat> there are those who, uh, who, who stand, and, and that would be us, who stand and say God's word is the standard by which we're to believe and we're to live. God's word tells us that life is precious and that unborn life is just as precious, that God is the author of life and that for, for once a, a baby is conceived, God 
treasures that life, and we should treasure that life as well. That's, that's biblical. And the, the, the Bible, God defines for us the fact that in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve, male and female, he created them. And that he defined and described marriage, and he described gender roles, he described sexuality, and he, he defined for us those kinds of things. And those today who are saying, well, no, no, we think that it can be anything you want it to be. The problem is they are believing the lie. The very first statement out of Satan's mouth to human beings on this planet was, has God said? Has God said? And that's, that's the lie today is you don't have to take what God says. You do what you want to do. You define sin, if there is any such thing as that, the way you want to. You define mercy the way you want to. You define life the way you want to. You define marriage the way you want to. No, God says, I've already, I've already made those definitions. I've, I've put it in my word. It's, it's in my book. And you don't have the right to change it, to ignore it, or to disobey it. And so I would say that in our country today, the hatred, the vicious attacks, the violence that we see every day on the news. And by the way, that's not representative of most of the country. Do you know that? Do you know that most of the, of the, of the people in America today are not at all represented by those uh, people that the news shows marching and protesting and things like that. Most of the country are folks that are a whole lot more like us than like them. Do you agree with that? Is that true, you think? Yeah, I believe it's true. And, uh, but obviously, they're not going to come in here with a, uh, a movie camera for uh, CNN News and show people of uh, various backgrounds hugging one another and enjoying singing together and worshiping together and loving one another and uh, having a meal together and, and having a uh, Messianic Jew come in to sing. They're not, they're not going to come in so because that doesn't make news. But they're going to show the people who are foul-mouthed and angry and... and uh, uh, violent but but that that is the divide in america today you know the group that's called progressives are the ones who say there are no standards we make our own rules we determine for ourselves what's right and wrong we want to be like the people in the day of judges when there was no king in the land and every man did what was right in his own eyes but the Bible says there is a king, and that's King Jesus. And there is a law, and it's even a, a higher law. As much as I admire, appreciate, and, and uh, love our Constitution, there's even a, a, a higher law that's forever settled in heaven, and it's the law of God. It's the Word of God. And so today, the greatest need... And the God's greatest word to our country today is actually directed at the church 
of the Lord Jesus Christ in America today. God does not direct the pagans and the atheists in our world except with one word, repent. Just turn from your paganism, turn from your atheism, believe, turn and believe. But to his church, that's to us, God does have a word. And he says that we can be a key component in seeing something good happen, something better happen in America. And I want to read to you a verse everybody's familiar with, Second Chronicles seven fourteen. This was given to King Solomon when Solomon had, well, they just dedicated the temple, and God is saying to Solomon that uh, my people, this is the, these are my people, the 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 nation of Israel. Now, as Americans, we are not God's people. America is not God's country. Americans are not God's people. The blood-bought, redeemed church is God's people today. We do not have a one-to-one correspondence with God that Israel had with God. They were God's chosen people. He entered into covenant with them He has not done that with America, but he has done it with every redeemed person. When we take the Lord's Supper, we're saying we are in a covenant relationship, a new covenant relationship with Jesus and with one another as believers in Christ throughout our world. So we are God's covenant people. So what God said to Solomon about the nation of Israel is not true for the nation of America because America is not God's people. But the church is God's people. We are God's people. So when I read this verse in Second Chronicles seven 14, I'm not talking about what happens in the White House. I'm not talking about what happens in uh, the uh, House of Congress. I'm not talking about what happens in the uh, uh, business, the uh, uh, Wall Street. I'm talking about what happens in God's house. And uh, and by the way, let me just just say, uh, I have never ever seen a time in America where so many people are so violently hating the administration and the leaders in our country right now. I've never, there's never been a time. And I tell you, to hear people use such foul, ugly, vulgar words and saying they wish they could kill the president and they wish they could blow up the White House and they wish they could cut off his head, that's terrible. That's just ungodly, totally ungodly. And as Christians, we must never, never, uh, bow to that kind of hatred. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that you have to agree with the policies of this administration. I didn't agree with the policies of President Obama's administration, but I spent, I mean, every, almost every day in the eight years he was in office, I prayed for him. And I respected his position, and I respected his uh, uh, authority as the president of our country. And... Uh, uh, I had a lot of disagreement with some of the policies 
uh, supporting same-sex marriage and, and uh, supporting abortion and things like that. I was very much opposed to that. But I would never, ever have even thought about uh, uh, saying such vicious, ugly things and saying, I wish he were harmed or I wish he were killed or something like that. And certainly as Christians, we are clearly taught in the Bible that we are to pray for those who are in authority over us. We're to honor the leader of our country, even if we don't agree with him. And by the way, that was written at a time when Nero, the most wicked, depraved, and probably crazy emperor, was on the throne of Rome. And God says to those, I mean, Paul and Peter both say to the Christians in that day, you honor the leader. You honor the, the, the emperor and give him, uh, and, and, and you don't try to get rid of him. So he says in Second Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, if my people. So, so who are God's people? Not, not Americans. It's Christians. We are God's people. If my people who are called by my name, we're called by his name, we're Christ ones, we're Christians. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, it says, if those four things happen, these three things will happen, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And that is what we want, isn't it? We want to see our land healed. We want to see our sins forgiven, and we want to know that God is hearing our prayer. But there's a condition here. He says there are some things that, that you need to do as my people. And he says you need to... Uh, Humble yourselves. What in the world does that mean? In, in fact, as I was reading this, I thought, here are the four big problems in America. Arrogance, prideful arrogance, and then prayerlessness, and then pleasure-seeking, seeking after other things, and then uh, performance of wicked deeds. That is uh, just, just sinning, committing sin. And he says, if my people will fix those four things. And again, not talking about the atheists. God's not even telling them they need to fix these things in their life. They're not his people, at least not at this point. He's not talking about the pagans. He's not talking about those who hate him and hate his people. He's talking to his people. And he said, if my people will do these four things, one, if they will humble themselves... How do you humble yourself? What does that mean? How do you humble yourself? He said, well, kneel down, I guess. Well, that might help. You know, it might not hurt for people to be on their knees. But their proud people can kneel down. Humble people are people who realize that they are unworthy and undeserving of God's goodness and God's grace, and yet they're the recipients of it. 
humble people are people who acknowledge I have no claim at all to God's kindness and mercy and yet he has poured it out on me lavishly and richly. And that should humble us. And it should make us not look out at other people with judgment and criticism and anger and hatred because we ourselves were at one time enemies of God. We were on the wrong side with the wrong heart attitude and God broke through and drew us to himself, humbled us and brought us. So if my people will humble themselves and then pray, and isn't that the hardest thing for Christians? Isn't prayer the hardest thing? You know, it's a lot easier to read your Bible than it is to pray. Have you ever noticed that? It's uh, you can you can call for a you you can have a, a a concert and hopefully have a lot of people there. Sure, hope we have a lot here tonight. But you call a prayer meeting, and there are few people. Who come because there's just something hard about prayer. It's just hard for people to humble themselves and fervently pray. And even though we know, and God has clearly told us that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It's just hard to pray. It's a battle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's easier to do lots of things than it is to pray. But he says this is part of the part of the necessary thing. Humble themselves and pray. Cry out to God. Call out. Intercede. And then seek my face. Now what does that mean? Seek God's face. Now, most of us are pretty adept at seeking God's hand. We say, God, we want you to do this and do that for us. That's not what he's saying here. He doesn't say seek God's power or seek God's activity, seek God's answers, seek God's blessings. He says, seek my face. What does it mean to seek the face of God? It means that we long to delight in his countenance we long to delight in his person we want to love him not what he does but who he is and we want our hearts to seek his face it's to seek his smile his approval to seek his eyes to seek his his face to seek the face of god now the bible says over in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, it describes a day that's coming, the latter days, when men will not seek the face of God. Listen to this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 through 5, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, 
reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And having the appearance of godliness, that is, they'll have a, they'll talk about godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Man, you just juxtapose that passage of Scripture against the daily news. And you think he wrote that for today. Lovers of self, lovers of money, arrogant, proud, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. That's what people are seeking today. This is a list of what people are seeking today. Now look, we expect people in the world to seek after these things. But he's talking to us. If my people will turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, will we do that? Will we seek his face and say, God, I love you, and I want to, I want to be drawn more and more into the likeness of Jesus. I want to be like John the Baptist who said, I must decrease he must increase. I want him to be more and more and more. I want to be less and less and less. And this pride of Christian people is the pride that says, I don't really need God. In Revelation chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, the risen Christ is speaking to a church, the church in Laodicea. And he has nothing good to say about this church. And he says, for you say, I'm rich. I've prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you. This is his counsel to that church, to this church, to all churches of our day. Buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. You want rich, then you, you want to really be rich? Then he says, there is something that is more precious than gold, and that's true faith. And white garments so that you may clothe yourself. That is the pure righteousness of Jesus. And, and uh, that you may clothe yourself in the shame of your nakedness and may not be seen. And then to salve, to anoint your eyes so that you might see. That is clear vision of who God is and what he wants for our life. So if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and then turn from their wicked ways. Are you doing any wicked ways? Are we as God's people involved in wickedness? Are we doing things that are, that are evil in the sight of God? I'll tell you, I just got to say that our churches are often filled with people who are workers of iniquity. They're just doing wrong things. They compromise with sin. They know that what they're doing is wrong, but they do it anyway. And he's saying here, if you want to see your land healed, if you want to see 
cleansing really take place? If you want to see your nation rescued, then it starts with the church. Jesus said, the Apostle Peter said, judgment begins at the house of God. It starts with us. We can't expect the people out in the world to fix our nation. And we can't fully fix it, but we can humble ourselves and we can pray and we can seek God's face and we can turn from our wicked ways. I can't turn other people from their wicked ways, but I can turn from mine. I can seek God's face. I can't make other people seek God's face. I can humble myself. I can't humble anybody else, but I can humble myself and I can pray and I can seek God's face and I can turn from my sin. And God says, if you will do that, then I will act. I'll hear. I'll listen to you. I'll hear what you're praying. And I'll, I'll forgive you. Isn't that great news? That God is merciful. He's eager to forgive. He loves to show mercy. He delights in forgiving sin. And there has never been a time that a repentant sinner humbled himself before God and asked for forgiveness genuinely from his heart. There's never been a time that God said, No, you've done too much. Not forgiving you. No, never, ever, ever. And never, ever will there be such a time. Anyone who humbles themselves and drawn by the Spirit of God into a spirit of repentance and says, God, please forgive me. God delights to cleanse. He's thrilled to forgive. He wants it more than we want it. And he says, then I can heal your land. We sang this morning, heal our land. Oh, Lord, come and heal our broken land. I pray that. But I know that it's not going to happen because of any laws that are passed. And laws need to be passed. It's not going to happen because of policies established by the administration. And policies need to be established. But our land can be healed if God's people, that's us, will humble ourselves, pray, seek his face, turn from our sin. Then, he says, then I will hear, forgive, and heal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. My heart has been so heavy this week as I've thought about even this message, as I've thought about how torn apart our country is right now and how there's so much anger, so much bitterness, so much hate, and vitriolic uh, hate in, in our country right now. And there are times that I, I want to just scream out at those who are acting so ugly, and then you remind me that, that's not my responsibility. But my responsibility is to humble myself. Pray. Seek your face. 
deal with sin in my own life, and then you're able to work in a mighty way. And I pray for our country. Lord, I pray for America right now. Lord, I, I just pray that the division that is there, and, and uh, there are clearly serious issues that need to be dealt with. But I pray that above the issues that we as your people can humble ourselves. Pray. Seek your face. Deal with sin in our life believing that you are able to heal our land. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, we would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.